pain. Do we even need it? So today, um, I've looked up a study that's recently been, uh, been published by Duke University in Nature, Nature Neuroscience by Hua et al. Uh, and basically, the general concept of this all is, and the way it's been reported in the media is, that they have found a new cluster of uh, GABAergic neurons, which once stimulated, stops a person from feeling pain. Now, when I say to you, you can no longer feel pain if I stimulate a specific part of your GABAergic neurons within your amygdala. Would you take that opportunity to never feel pain again? When you define pain, the so it's a like... physical pain. It's not a stress-induced pain. I just want to get your initial thoughts. So, if you were given the option to never have pain again, would you take it? Physical pain. I I, I think I pain. Yeah, I think pain you is like introduced. Pain Sorry? is like a. Yeah, so you guys have gone that time. Yeah. So I said long answer, short answer, short answer, no. Like pain is. Short answer, no, okay, yeah. Yeah, just no. That's quite no. I <laughs> disturbing. It's quite disturbing, in my opinion. I, th I think we, we have pain for a reason. It's like, yeah. it's, it teaches us what not to do. And so, although you, for example, like for a child, if you chose for him to not have pain, he might run into, I don't know, a car or, so, or something along those lines because he doesn't understand that it's bad. Mm. I mean, you can, you can tell him it's bad. Exactly. You'll touch hot mm. things anyway. And so it might be fatal. And the whole okay. point of pain, in my understanding, is to prevent that. It's to teach you, no, this is bad before mm. it becomes fatal. Yeah. So let me explain to you a little bit about what the actual study is, right? So they go back to 1946 where they say, um, you know, somebody released a paper in which they kind of viewed soldiers in World War II who had been seriously wounded, were alert, weren't in shock, but did not seem to report any pain. So the fact that they didn't feel any pain, plus the, the knowledge of the placebo effect, kind of meant that scientists started to look forwards towards what they believed to be an analgesic system within the brain. So we know that there's something in the brain which can be switched on or off, which can kind of block your pain receptors, so to speak. So you don't feel pain, physical pain. In well, this, this study, yeah. yeah. So in this study with mice, bear that in mind, this isn't with human beings. So the way it's been reported is that they found this, this part of your brain which they can stimulate and you can no longer feel pain. But mm -hmm. in reality, it's on mice. So we don't know if it's applicable to human beings. Mm -hmm. So in this one, they found a GABAergic uh, neuron which is, uh, you know, in the amygdala of the mice's brain. And when it's stimulated, so not when it's, not when it's uh, cut, but when it's stimulated, it causes them to no longer feel pain. Now, what they're planning to do going forward is develop a line of sedatives, which yeah. are, you know, painkillers, which will be able to aid people with chronic pain to stop them mm. from feeling pain again. Now, obviously, when I asked you, would you... Mm would you uh, take the opportunity to stop pain forever? You obviously said no, because, well, we need pain and et cetera, et cetera. But in cases like that, where you've got chronic pain, this could be something that's quite useful, which is why it's, it's one of the leading uh, news stories in the past week in the world of science. Well, it could be quite controversial because, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's correct. For people with chronic pain, this is very uh, useful. For example, cancer patients, et cetera. But as we know, that it usually that, that line encroaches. And so what about if it becomes uh, sport athletes? Um, you mm -hmm. know, they, they, they go to their doctor and say they're in chronic pain. 
um, they're able to get these pain relief medicines that allow them to perform, for example, in uh, boxing or fight sports or even athletics. But surely without they'll be banned. Then, surely that's 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 counterintuitive well, though, because if you do take so if you do get soreness from working out, for example, and then you take these uh, inhibitors or whatever you lot just said, yeah, uh, and then you, and now you don't feel pain. The pe- yeah. the body still has that soreness, but you just can't feel it. You're going going you're gonna train so much that you're gonna go into a state of overtraining, which uh, actually causes um, negative effects. Mm-hmm. So instead of instead of for example, sim- most simple way, instead of increasing muscle mass, if you overtrain, those results start to negatively get affected, and now you're actually losing muscle mass. Mm-hmm. So for a sport athlete, initially it sounds like a good idea. Long term, terrible. But could it could it not be planned correctly? For example, they wouldn't use it in terms of training. But when it comes to competition day, where they're under high stress, if they can alleviate that thing, stress it, and is, perform, uh, I, I don't know how the the drug or the thing works. If it's like a short term thing, then yeah. So yeah, with regards to this paper, as I said, they don't know what the effects of it will be on human beings. But as a concept, yeah. if you're able to give someone a painkiller, like like for example, imagine that this was a paracetamol tablet. So however paracetamol usually works, imagine that this works in the same way. So if on the day, as Steve said, a UFC fighter, a boxer, someone in a combat sport was to take this drug so they don't feel any pain physically, yeah, would that, I mean, that could be a problem going forward. And also, I'd just like to point out that in this study, um, they have concluded it by saying that they don't know if it will cause addiction as of yet because they haven't moved on to human Mm. trials and how it will affect human beings. So that is something to keep in mind. But yeah, carry on. If you remember, I forgot the guy's name. They had a documentary on him. The the football American football player. He killed his he killed uh, himself in prison, and he killed a couple of other Aaron guys. Hernandez. Ba- Aaron, Aaron Hernandez. Hernandez yeah. Aaron Hernandez. Basically, they gave him drugs like to inhibit his kind of pain as well, so he can carry right. on. But his his brain by CBT, I think it was it. CTE. Yeah, it's CTE. repeated CTE. It's repeated knocks to the yeah. brain can cause uh, inflammation yeah, and so, so on. Yeah, so it's something you can't see in it physically. Yeah. Yeah. The brain mm. thing, and even if he says, "Oh yeah," like even if he doesn't take the drug, he then says, "Yeah, I feel good," but he carries on like playing. He's still getting knocks to the head, and it just—it's just there's so many things to it. Like yeah. it's not a just okay, take the drug, okay, play the game, boom, you're good. So just to expand on what a world without pain would look like, what we can look at is um, instances of genetic mutations, which some people on this on this planet have very small number maybe a couple hundred in the seven billion that is alive um and the kind of mutation uh, is called congenital insensitivity to pain syndrome yeah so it's called cip and for example i looked up on the bbc a story about a man called stefan betts he's 21 years old um and when it looks at when they look into his life and what it was like to grow up without pain He says, people assume that feeling no pain is this incredible thing and it almost makes you superhuman. For people with CIP, it's the exact opposite. We would love to know what pain means and what it feels like to be in pain. Without it, your life is full of challenges. Now, his parents actually came out and said, I'm quoting this from the BBC article. They said that he believed that they believed that he was mildly uh, mentally retarded. And the reason for them thinking that was because they couldn't understand why he was so clumsy. So he only got diagnosed at the age of five because he bit the tip of his tongue off. Oh, wow. Oof. He felt no pain, no nothing. He literally just bit it off because he, he just, you know, 
as, as you or I would bite our tongue regularly, it would cause pain and we would obviously yeah. unclench. He bit his tongue off and um, he broke his right metatarsal on his foot and he's been limping ever since he was a child. Mm. So from an evolutionary perspective, as is quoted on this, this yeah, thing, you know, you would assume that if, even if this was something that, let's say, a cu- couple million years ago, a lot of human beings had where they couldn't feel pain, you would assume that those people wouldn't live as long, which is yeah. backed by the statistics of the people who had this disease. So I'll get yeah. into a little bit about that, uh, about that in a minute. But So what do you guys think about that, for example? Somebody well, being injured and whatnot without, without... It's not... It's uncommon, but it's not uncommon in history because people with leprosy, they couldn't... They can't yeah. feel pain yeah. on the extremities. So they used to burn themselves doing all sorts of like mm-hmm. things like cooking and just general household activities. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, but they obviously, they had more of a downside. That would affect your appearance. People would... Mm-hmm. would so yeah, you'd be kind of cast out. From the community. Yeah. yeah, you're cast out. But yeah, as you said in this, in the modern society, yeah, being being deemed as um, retarded is quite um, it's quite a hefty hefty thing to pay for just for the genetic mutation in the body. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a good point you made about leprosy because they've also written about um, a young a young boy in Pakistan who would do street tricks where he would walk on hot coals, he would stick knives into his arms, and he would do all these crazy things because he obviously couldn't feel pain and people would kind of be like oh wow he's a mystic of some sort now he actually ended up dying in his early teens because he jumped off a roof and actually the statistics are that a lot of these people will not make it past their 20s either because they don't feel pain and they get increasingly reckless with their actions or uh, because they can't feel pain and they've caused damage uh, to their body uh, they lose their quality of life, and at that point, they become very suicidal and unfortunately take their own lives. Yep. It's so, crazy, you know. I would never, I would never think that not feeling pain would drive you to suicide. Like it's, it's, it's mad to me. Obviously, I don't know it, how it feels. It's but. the same argument as them um, living forever. Like those kind of, like that kind of concept is that the people they want to die, like they want to go and have rest. Mm. So it's, it's quite tasking. It's been life forever. Numb people. A numb feeling of not being able to feel will affect the mind and then you can't handle that. Of course, yeah. And you don't so, know what is ne- like reality in a sense. Like what is reality yeah. as in how will you be affected physically because of your action? You're out of touch. So actually the first case of CIP was reported in 1932 by a New York physician called uh, George Dearborn who, yeah. uh, who he investigated a 54-year-old ticket salesman who claimed to not recall any pain despite a range of experiences such as being impaled by a laving hatchet as a child and subsequently running home. So this man was impaled by a hatchet and managed to run wow. all the way home because he didn't feel any pain. Now, when you think about it in that sense, it does sound almost like a superpower. Yeah, it, it pretty much is. I mean, like, it's, it's also, this isn't like unheard of. I mean, in, back in ancient times, people used to use uh, drugs essentially mm. from obviously natural drugs like from toads etc so during wartime so they could get through uh you know uh, extreme battle stress etc can we just delve into the first question you asked me when i said yeah. would you get rid of pain which was is it emotional pain or is it physical pain so let's yeah. say this was to dull your emotional pain so you never felt emotional pain again would you take that option i think no. i think it's unhealthy no nah, uh, no way 
but but in a sense this kind of already exists so there's like antidepressants um but let's know. say there was there was something in there that was a proven proven way to stop anxiety attacks any kind of negative thoughts and any kind of negative yeah, feelings that. i would argue that if you had never felt any negative emotion before and you were put onto this from let's say birth mm-hmm. you wouldn't know what it's like to feel some feel bad but i don't think you'd ever miss it or want to feel bad because it inherently feeling bad is a bad thing no not you know what you mean by emotion do you mean like the good side of emotion as well when you're like loving someone and all that like that no good. just no no just emotionally blocking any negative 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 oh i don't think so because a lot of great things come from negative emotions a lot of people strived yeah. from uh, yeah. you know uh hardship. from depression or yeah. hardship and they worked hard because of that uh, but, okay, I, I, I think I think we have these emotions on purpose, uh, like evolutionaries, to drive us. Um, so, how would you mourn for lost family members and hearing bad news? Like, is that? Yeah. It may be hard to take that kind of news, but if you can't express your feelings, it obviously seems a negative. But it's feeling not about expressing sadness. the feeling. It's not about expressing the feeling. It's about do you even feel it in the first place? But how can but you express you it if you cannot acknowledge yeah. it? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Oh, you can't yeah. feel it, so you won't be able to express it. But if you don't feel you know, if you don't feel upset that someone's dead, then you won't want to mourn them anyway. Yeah, but that's it's, it's inhumane to not want to mourn for a loved yeah. one. But yeah. is it is it humane to if you have the option of making sure someone doesn't feel the pain of her losing a loved one to not give them that option of just taking this drug and not feeling the pain? I think it depends. Like if if this like it's kind of a mental health issue at the end of the day. If if this has affected them so badly, for example, they want to commit suicide or mm-hmm. it's adverse to their health. Then perhaps yeah, perhaps it's 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 appropriate. But in general, so you, so I think it's suggest, healthy to feel bad feelings. So you suggest that we we do it in a situation where you allow someone to feel bad, but if they feel bad to the point of like suicidal thoughts or anxiety attacks, then you intervene and give them this miracle drug that will make them but never to, feel this pain again. To be to be fair, yeah, like we're speaking in a perfect world. Even that drug will have some like side effects. You get no, me? no, I, I'm, this is just, we're just postulating here that we live in a perfect world. There is no side effect of this drug. Once you take this drug, you no longer feel emotions. Would you take that drug? The thing is, like, I agree with Steve where we need, uh, like, negative thoughts because it's like a case of, like, if you have a good, like, if you're negative you, mm-hmm. and then you have a good thought, like that good is going to feel better. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. it amplifi- like one amplifies the other. Because you have something to compare it to. Yeah, you have something to compare it to. It's like, you know when it's always warm? You're like, oh, mm. she was cold. It's kind of like that. That's what I'm trying to get at. Like, I yeah. think it's important. They complement each other, weirdly. I think in life, you never really want to be comfortable anyway. When you're comfortable, that's when you make no progress. And yeah. uh, But the and, thing is, you are yeah. upset because you, yeah, can't, but, you haven't yeah, but, made yeah, progress. Yeah, but, yeah, but like, the, the upsetness isn't physically harmful. It's only stressful and stress. I, f- I feel like we're designed to handle stress. Human beings have been shown to handle stress in the past uh, way more yeah. than we have ever had. So it's not necessarily an unhealthy thing. But what if I told you that pretty much every disease that you can think of has a stress element to it? At least stress contributes. Well, so to does the cold. So, so, so does the common cold. But, uh, I but don't let's know say, let, okay, but think about it like this. Then in that scenario, this miracle drug would kind of be like a drug. Forget about making you feel sad, but it'll be like, blocking the cold you, this person can never get a cold therefore they can never no, get no, the no, disease no. associated here's the a difference you, you you take that drug you're not bothered by the cold because you're happy with the cold and that's not healthy for you 
Where, whereas right. someone he, who doesn't take the drug acknowledges this cold doesn't feel good and he mm. takes precautions and actions to stop or get rid of the cold. Do you see my point? So you can be comfortable in your rubbish situation because mentally mm. you're happy or the stress is a signal to your brain and to, to your consciousness to tell you make a change. And that's how we make changes and improve. I feel as though the, the conversation has revolved around people who have the ability to change what they're in, the situation they're in, but require a kind of stress. Yeah. yeah, but what exactly? What about the people who cannot change their surroundings? What then? You can't change your destiny just because you're, you're stressed out. But, you know, if I give you this drug, yeah, you'll still be in the same terrible situation you're in right now. It's just you won't feel bad about it. But, but, but that's quite a pessimistic view to say someone has mm. no chance and is always going to be stressed. Yeah, and I, I took, I personally, I don't agree with that. I think there's I would argue that more people are stuck in their current situations without the ability to change it than those who can. No, I don't agree. I, I feel like everyone has a chance to change things if they work hard enough, etc. Uh, so what would you if, think if that that's somebody... in life? Of course, if it's something d- dire, for example, like a cancer patient who is terminal, that's a different situation. This is an extreme situation. But okay, so maybe we're talking than... about... Yeah, sorry, Dan, go on. I was talking about people like say you're depressed because of poverty. I like would giving someone a drug to make them satisfied in their poverty. Uh, is that is that the stage you want that, to be? That, that's, that's, kind of, yeah, that's not a li- that's not a life you would want to live though. To be fair, because like Steve said, you have these stresses because you're too like if you're too comfortable with your life, you're not gonna move on. And these stresses provide you with that kind of boost to move on. Imagine being in poverty, having nothing, but you're happy about it because of that drug. Okay, but, the, but, do you see what me and, but do you see what me and Dan no. had just previously said? Yeah, what if saying. you're poor, but you don't have the chance to move out of poverty yet? That's it. You're stuck in poverty. Why That's would not you true. allow what that person? Say, what, no, what I'm trying to say is, if the government is producing these drugs to give to people in poverty, instead of fixing the situation that they're in, do not see a problem with that. No, That's then I would see it. a problem with it in that sense. But I mean, for yeah. somebody, for example, that lives in, um, I don't know, Yemen during the famine, right? If they, if they turn around and they say, okay, we're going to give this person a drug that allows them to feel, um, feel good despite Happy. their circumstances, a circumstance that they cannot change. No, no, no I disagree. No, you know okay, okay, so sorry, no, no, sorry can I give an example? Yeah. For example, okay. let, let's say Hannibal, you, you, have you heard of Hannibal Lecter in the past? Right. Yeah, the, the serial killer from the fictional no, 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 serial killer? Or? No, no, no. So, so, sorry, Hannibal Barker. He's, uh, he was the person oh, okay, that invaded yeah. Rome and defeated yeah. the Roman uh, Empire. Yeah. His father died, was defeated by Rome. Uh, they were under extreme poverty and essentially uh, enslavement by the Romans. Now, if that drug existed back then and they gave it to Hannibal, he would not have done the feat that he's, he's known for all, all around the world. But because of that stress mm-hmm. and that desire to win because of the stress, he managed mm. to defeat the Spanish and the Romans in the end and becoming, like, beca- becoming a global yeah. figure. You can yeah. extend this to uh, Mike Tyson. You know, his mother was a prostitute. He was in a desperate, uh, desperate um, Okay, I'm going to need you to lower your tone a little bit because if Mike Tyson was by some miracle uh, to hear what you've just said, uh, he <laughs> no, might, he's he might admit, not like it. He, no, no, he does know that. I'm joking, but I wanted to make the kind of, just, just to interject and kind of make the point that I think there's two schools of thought when it comes to this sort of thing. So obviously, now this is just a paper that's been published. We don't know if, you know, in a couple of years' time, the real likelihood is that they'll turn around and say this isn't really applicable to human beings. But I think there's two schools of thought. Either you're very pessimistic and you say, look, if somebody can't get out of this situation, there's nothing they can do, then 
you know, give them this drug and they'll at least feel better in their terrible situation. Or there's the school of thought where I think you fall under where you say, well, you know, Hannibal done this and blah, blah. But the reality is how many Hannibals have there been in history? And how many people have there been who were born into a poor socioeconomic environment and stayed no, there? No, no, no. Go, go, go on, Rohat. Yeah. I, I think, like, if you, you know the Yemen example you gave? Hmm. I feel like if that drug was about, it's like, okay, we'll give them this drug and there'll be no outcry for these people. They will, they will be like, oh, you know, because, you know, they can't think negatively now. They'll just all be calm. They're in their poverty, blah, blah, blah. And everybody will just leave them and head on to another situation. That's, I feel like it will be that's like... That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I think it is. That's what I you think can't prescribe will. these drugs to people in poverty and then yeah. not, not change... Because you, you can change poverty. Like, you can, you can fix that. You can make you can prove people's circumstances. You shouldn't give people drugs, and then, as I said, people forget about it because they're no longer complaining. Mm-hmm. So would it's you? Okay, so I think the the point that we all do agree on, though, is that if you're in a dire situation, for example, if this was emotion, we're talking about emotional pain. If this was emotional pain, and you were let's say terminal, or you had, you know, a situation that was causing you grief to the point of suicidal thoughts, then I think what well, do we all agree that you would then give this medication to someone? If it's mortal, if yeah. it's a mortal, it's a mortal issue, situation. Yes, yes okay. yeah, definitely. So do we then, can we then expand a little bit onto, for example, this study is about, in essence, what I felt was that it's about trying to find a new type of painkiller. But you guys all alluded to it as well. There's an addiction side to this as well. Now, many people in particular America will go to the hospital because they've broken an arm or a leg and they'll be given morphine. And then they'll end up addicted to painkillers. And there's now a whole crisis revolving around painkillers and people using them. Yeah. Uh, do you think that the current state in science, where we're constantly looking for kind of benefit of uh, financial gain, do you think that that's kind of pressing the direction with which science is uh, moving towards? So they're um, thinking more about the financial gain than they are? That's what they think. We live yeah. in a capitalistic world. That's what everything. I mean, if you look mm. at medicine nowadays, everything can be solved in a pill. Depression, yeah. there's a pill. Cold, mm. there's a, everything is a pill. And there's not many lifetime, uh, lifestyle solutions given to people. Mm. So I, I think it's very dangerous. It's, uh, you know, when you have a product like that, that you can sell on the shelves, it's easy mm. to shift and make money. But when, when it's something people need to follow and it's a long-term thing, it's not. And obviously companies, like, like Rohat said, in a, in a capitalistic society, it's, it's going to lean towards the thing that we can sell. So, yeah, I'd be very wary of that. And I, I believe in America, they have that yeah. issue anyway with antidepressants. Uh, yeah. n- never mind painkillers. Xanaxes and whatnot. They've got, like, they've got a variety of different opioid uh, crisis ease. And they've had, obviously, you know, crack in the past and whatnot. And yeah. it seems like it's moving from kind of uh, drugs that are illegal to legal drugs are now becoming a problem. And um, as I, when I first read it, I was kind of speaking about how the media portrayed it as there's this miracle set of neurons which have been identified and we're no longer going to be able to feel pain, which is why I asked you the question in the way I did. What do you think is the media's responsibility when kind of publishing articles like that? Because as I've said, when I read the actual article itself, it, it states that they don't know what effect it will have on humans and it was only done on mice. But the way scientific... Um, you know, scientific studies are portrayed in the media is often very different for catchy headlines. What do you think should be done in terms of that? Because as you said, there's a pill for everything. Now, if you say to people, there's this miracle pill that's going to take away all your problems, are you not making them then dependent on that pill? Yeah, I think the catchy headlines are just uh, more viewers and stuff. It's all, yeah. 
goes to the it will drive to the you, same thing. Do you think money. there should be something in place then to kind of fact check? And if so, well, how would you suggest about going about it? I think at the end of the day, it's the government's responsibility to vet drugs, to to allow treatments to be allowed uh, out. I mean, the media is always going to say what they want to say. We've seen it over the years, um, mm. and I don't think that's a place to concentrate on. I think it's to concentrate on is policy, and uh, yeah, government officials need to really tighten down on on uh, on that. Which, they, they, to be fair, they are, uh, especially on like health-related products. Uh, at least in the UK, they're quite strict, as I understand. But as we said, we live in a capitalist world, and if if these drugs are making a lot of money, despite all the negative aspects of them that we just described. So even something that sounds initially like a cure, which is a cure for pain, can actually have a lot of downsides to it. But it causes it like you know generates a lot of money. Would you not then you know what what is the implications of just saying oh well let's not bring out this drug? But what if it can make you billions and that money can go to better other people's lives? Okay, but we know that's not going to happen. It's not going to go out to better other people's lives. But that's a pessimistic approach. So how do you know? So the money I made from this miracle drug, which yeah. might cause a lot of problems, might then be funneled into cancer research, and I find a, a drug for that will cure a different type of cancer. Ah, uh, but let's but let's let's actually look at it real life though. Come on, how often do, do you like do that pharmaceutical stuff actually go to a better thing? I mean, we always hear about scandals. When do we ever hear about something good? Maybe I'm just ignorant to it, and I don't. So penicillin. I, don't enough. I mean, if you got your thing, if you got I mean, your thing, I mean, I'm, I'm happy you know, to accept it because, like I said, I'm not really think. When you think about all the vaccines and everything that have been developed, these are all, you know, owned by some sort of company somewhere mm-hmm. or was initially funded by a company somewhere. And, you know, what do we do in this scenario? I mean, there's a pill for everything. And yes, we know that there's a lot of negative sides but to it. Again, as a government that decides, like, not, uh, not all drugs are allowed in the UK. What's allowed in the US isn't necessarily sold here. It's up, mm. to, it's up to us to push sure. the government. Yeah, It's up to us but to push the government have, in the direction that we want, we want our country to If you have such go. a pessimistic approach towards big institutions, though, then why do you trust that the government will pick the right drugs to allow in and which ones not to? What do you mean? Um, I mean... So, I mean, I'm, like, for example, with Rohat's example there, he goes, oh, but let's think about the real world. When has something good ever happened in comparison to when we've this, had this, many yeah. scandals? Why would you then trust the government? Well, this is the framework that we have. Uh, I mean, everyone operates in this framework. So you use the framework to change policy, etc. Whether you mm. agree with the current government or not is irrelevant. But mm. this is the framework that you work upon to make changes. Otherwise, we'd have anarchy, which is another topic. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, okay. So if just final, like kind of wrap it up kind of thoughts. So if you were given this miracle drug to not feel pain, I think it's pretty unanimous from you guys that you wouldn't take it. Unless I was yeah. in chronic pain, as if I'd rather die than experience this pain. Yes, I agree with Dan. So yeah, end of yeah, life yeah, treatment is the only well. time that you would accept to take this miracle drug that yeah. you no longer makes you feel yeah. pain. Yeah. So is that for both emotional and physical pain or is it just for the physical pain aspect? Or just, just, physical. just physical. Yeah, I wouldn't take the emotional one personally. You, would, you wouldn't take the emotional pain one? No. 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 I don't believe emotion can be that, that painful um, to the point So of... you're all a bit sadomasochistic then, if that's the case. You kind of want the, emotion, mm. the emotional pain. Mm. Yeah, man. If you want to call um, it that, yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. I feel like, I feel like the privilege of losing your emotions is only for people who have the money. If that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. if if you're in poverty and you're losing your emotions, then the government should have done something to try and better your situation. 
But if you're like a middle class person suffering, I'm not taking a dig at people with mental health, mm. but say you've got a good job, but you're suffering mentally, you can take this pill and you can continue mm. your life. Everything's perfect. Like your life is perfect still. And you're mm. happy with yourself. I don't know if you kind of get what I'm trying to But then would you, would you not lose your drive whether you're working class or middle class or upper class? Like with this, if you don't have... If you don't have negative emotions, you're losing your drive regardless. And you will, in that in that scenario, you will end up at the bottom regardless of what you're saying. No, but you're at the top already. I think that's what Dan's trying to say. You're at the you top. So even if you don't have no drive, it doesn't matter. You're at the top. Yeah, but like, you're for example, if Jeff Bezos tomorrow decided that he had no drive, do you not think that Amazon would eventually fall to Brother, he doesn't need no drive no. after this point. He can, he can, yeah. he can, he can <laughs> make this company go crashing and you'll still have money for years on, man. So you think if you've already got an established kind of infrastructure to uphold your wealth, you can take these kind of drugs and take that risk. But if you're at a lower class and you need to thrive to get to the top and you need to have the drive to get to the top, you wouldn't take the drug. Yeah, Yeah, because you take the drug, you just become a worker ant. You just continuously Mm. become a worker ant. You're a drone. You're almost like a drone. You have no fight Mm. back because you feel happy. You have no no qualms if you're up out. People can treat you like rubbish and you still feel happy. Well, the government's basically pacified like, you, yeah. Yeah, basically. That's what I'm to, yeah, like, yeah, you're pacified, basically. Mm. You have no fight, essentially. They can do whatever you, yeah. they want, and you will always be yeah. happy. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Well, that Once was uh, interesting. Like, hey, just one taste. Yeah, that's the thing. One taste, and that's it. One sniff for free, and then the rest you got to pay. And exactly. uh, I, think, I think that was, that was a nice little, nice little discussion there, but... If anybody listening to this has their own opinions, then you can add us at the uh, Verbal Reasoning Podcast app and, uh, you know, let us know what you think. And actually, that's our Instagram account. Let me have a look at our Twitter account. So our Twitter account, our at is... uh, Very interested to hear from you. Is Podcast Verbal. So at Podcast Verbal, and you can get to us and let us know what you think. Would you take a miracle drug that stops you from feeling any kind of pain uh, if it was offered to you? Let us know. That was bloody brilliant. Wacky space race. Is this the start or the end? So during this week, we've had two massive uh, movements in the space, um, space industry. Uh, we haven't seen the space launches in this, uh, in this, uh, uh, this large since like nine years ago. And uh, the first one I want to tell you about is the Virgin Orbit space launch. So what, what is the Virgin Orbit space launch? It happened last week. They uh, essentially flew, flew one of the biggest Boeing aircrafts that is adjusted with a missile launcher, essentially, strapped to the wing. Uh, they fly to around 30,000 feet, which is pretty much two-thirds of the atmosphere, and then do a launch from midair. So instead of launching a rocket from the ground, they launch it from the sky, which is the first time it's ever been tried. Uh, why? Yeah, yeah, it's the first time. And why, why do they do this? Well, with technology improving, satellites are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And um, essentially, with how they usually do is they, they shove it on a massive rocket, right? Although it's expensive and it's not as efficient. But using this method, they can launch it from already three quarters of the atmosphere, basically more than halving the cost of uh, space launches. Um, this essentially makes little businesses that that create satellites quickly uh, able to launch whenever they want and at a very cheap rate. So yeah, so far uh, the Virgin Orbit has secured thirty-five million dollars with the U.S. Uh, government 
uh, if you've heard about Space Force that um, Donald Trump has started, and essentially is okay. to l- launch uh, satellites. Now, this is what Virgin has done. If you look on the other hand, today, SpaceX has also launched their first um, manned uh, flight on the uh, Falcon, the Falcon 9 rocket. So I don't know if you've seen the Falcon 9 rocket, but when it launches and it does its mission, it also returns back to Earth, essentially recycling the, um, the rocket, where in the past, the rocket... The materials, would just, yeah. Yeah, the materials, even the rocket itself, uh, where in the past, it would just be dispersed into space. Obviously, this saves cost. And today, it's the first uh, manned uh, Falcon 9 uh, mission to the International Space Station. Um, yeah. So SpaceX also has plans to uh, send private citizens and potentially commercial scientists and other passengers. So you, we can see that there's large companies and there's more companies also working in a space uh, in this space race. But what happened to NASA? What happened to EASA? You know, the, the government uh, space agencies. Well, now they're hiring these private corporations to do their missions. And I have a question for you guys, which is straight off the cuff. Do you think it's beneficial to have large competition to v- develop sp- space-related products? What do you think, guys? Do you think I'm all kind these of on competition is good? Yeah, I'm on the Competition is good as long but, as it can be controlled. Mm-hmm. That's all. I but who controls because... it? Well, it's open to the market now. It's private, isn't it? Yeah. Whoever makes the most money is privatized. Yeah. I kind of worry that if agendas. one company kind of grows so big and powerful kind of like how amazon is currently dominating the market for example mm-hmm. whatever the vision for space is going to be over the next 50 to 100 years is going to be based solely on whoever's in charge of that company mm-hmm. whatever so their like, may be. yeah whatever their motive may be so if for example um i don't know much about space exploration it's not really my field but i know that um elon musk for example says he wants to send people to mars so if Elon Musk decides that he wants to send people to Mars and build a colony there and he has the biggest shares of everything to do with space and he's the only person who actually has the kind of funding to go to space, then we all have to follow along with his plan to go to Mars. Forget well, about d- going to Jupiter or Uranus yeah. or whatever. So, the so Elon, Elon he, Musk owns that uh, owns SpaceX. He's, uh, one of the, he's the founder of SpaceX itself. And mm. uh, the Mars mission is in tangent with uh, NASA and uh, EASA. So I, what, what yeah, so far, yeah. how I understand it is that SpaceX and these space companies provide the hardware and, and the ability to get there. However, the missions themselves are all planned by the government agencies. Um, is it government personnel or is it like At this moment, yeah. It's gov- yeah it's, at this moment, it's NASA um, astronauts and uh, European astronauts. Uh, I don't, uh, also, space is usually highly linked with military. And um, yeah, yeah. the government wants, uh, you know, full control of that kind of things. Um, in my opinion, I think it's healthy. Before, like I said, we haven't seen a space launch on this size for nine years. Um, there wasn't going to be one. Uh, NASA had a very inefficient rocket. Um, we were using, reusing old Russian rockets to launch, uh, you know, different equipments. Where you can see now, SpaceX launches, uh, launches uh, large for example, people carriers or large satellites. And then you have another company which, which acknowledges that there's smaller satellites out there that specialize in that path, making it affordable for, for example, smaller companies to, 
produce things. And what, one of the things that has been used with uh, the Virgin Orbit is to provide internet to, uh, for example, poorer countries, uh, African countries, etc. They're able to launch uh, tiny satellites the size of a Starbucks coffee cup uh, for $12 million, which is nothing, where if you compare the competitor's price of around $100 million, um, able to launch it into their sky, and now they have internet for their whole country. So, can I ask? Uh, can I ask you? Yeah. Uh, as far as I'm aware, NASA isn't doing the kind of space exploration that they used to do. Something happened during the Obama administration where I think he said that no more manned flights to the moon or something like that was going to take place. Can you kind of explain what happened with NASA to me? Because I'm not understanding what, basically, as you said, what happened with NASA? Essentially, space exploration became too expensive. Um, they didn't want to invest money. Uh, it wasn't, usually they, they want to see a return in military um, military, uh, military uh, outcomes. Uh, we can see in Ron, the Ronald Reagan uh, time, it was obviously a space race between Russia and the US, and it was important to have these satellites to spy. In history, so uh, scientific... Can I ask then? Sorry, yeah, go on. Yeah, go on. And I was just going to ask, so what is the financial gain that these private companies are getting, if that's the case? I mean, what, so they, what, they, they what get are they paid, making their money from? They're making a profit. So they've, they've specialized in developing specific technology to make it cheaper. Mm -hmm. For example, the reusable rocket, they can reuse many times. And so they mm -hmm. charge their client and they do the math. Well, who obviously. is their client? The government. So, but, well, not just the government, but whoever else can, uh, yeah. can pay for these. And it's good, it's, good to have it, it's good to have it on your CV as well. Imagine, yeah, we do the space shit. And it'll come to a time where you can actually just send people and I'm sure there'll be like, you don't have to report back to the government. It'll be like a free travel thing where Definitely. you can take people from Earth to the moon. Mm -hmm. So have they ever but considered where, so for example, if, if uh, I don't know, Elon Musk or uh, I'm just going to make some Richard Branson, let's say I'm just making it up. I don't know who's in charge. Yeah. Of so Richard but. Branson is in charge of the Virgin Orbit. Yeah. Okay, so let's say the Virgin Orbit and the Elon Musk thing ship are the first two ships that successfully take people to another planet that we haven't gone to before. Mm -hmm. Can they just turn around and claim that that planet is theirs? They're the first there, they're the only inhabitants. Could they then make their own planet? So, where does their jurisdiction end? Yeah, so here's an exciting part of space the law hasn't been defined yet, and it's being defined as we speak right now. Um, there, there exists space lawyers right now, which is something that space we were, lawyers. Yeah, they, we dreamed about Crazy. when we were kids, but now it's a reality. We have to think of these, uh, these possibilities. I'm so sorry. If I'm going to another fucking planet, I ain't gonna take the rules of the Earth, Earth to that planet. Like, that's just you get me. <laughs> no, but you should because you have to return. You have to return at some point. But the laws, if, if the law is enforced, then you have to obey the law. I mean, you don't have a choice. You can go to Afghanistan. That, that, if the law is to do a certain thing, you have to obey the law there. Otherwise, you get the you get the uh, consequences. That's why I asked the question. No, but that's, that's, that's a completely different question. Planet, like, yeah, but, no, no, but that's why I asked the, the question you, that yeah, if, if, sorry, uh, if, um, if Richard Branson, Elon Musk, say they go there and they say this is our planet now and this is our laws that we have decided to impose on it who then who then imposes those laws onto the people that visit the planet do you know what that makes sense well 
So as Rohat had said, if you go to another planet, there's no one there. It's uninhabited. Mm-hmm. How can you force me to follow your laws? There's no one here to, you know, actually carry out the laws and the punishments but or breaking the laws. The, the colony you've made, it will not be able to reproduce fast enough to stop an invading army. I'm just saying, imagine you could send an army mm. to go back and just discipline this colony. You can't, unless you've got technology which blows them out of the out of space before they get to you. But I mean, isn't like, isn't the concept of space lawyers just one that seems kind of colonial almost? You don't own space, but you're making rules for lie. Well, it's uh, yeah. No, well, but it's, there's ca- rules for space already. You can't test nuclear weapons in space. Actually. Exactly. Yeah. But, 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 but like who that, told you that? The Martians? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> who told you? Is it the Martians that said you can't test? You might rate the government too much. You might rate the government too much. No, but 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 also, Erin, uh, the likelihood of us colonizing, uh, for example, okay, let's say our solar system, we manage it. But other than that, the likelihood is very small. Um, in terms of space exploration, we're most likely going to send robots, uh, satellites to see for us. Um, yeah, but be- you know what, Steve? Yeah. You know what? You know, you said it's hard to colonize the whatever, whatever. If they have space, uh, space lawyers, I'm sure couple years down the line their idea is it might become a thing where you can live around there and, in, and all that stuff yeah i mean when you think what, about a hundred years yeah. ago the concept of even uh, you know forget ships and rockets it's just a phone law, yeah. Yeah. yeah just a phone in itself would have been insane so so they have lawyers how do we know that in 200 yeah how do we know that in 200 years that they're not gonna well they know it's know, a, decide make something that's well, just gonna yeah, I guess they know is a possibility, yeah, yeah. hence why people are working yeah, on it yeah. now. There is, is exactly. a really is a new uncharted area of law and of uh, space uh, politics. Yeah, I mean, to go back to your original question, just so that we stay on track, I think whilst I do, I, I, you know, I do think it's good to have the kind of competition between these different companies because that propels us more towards innovation. At the same time, there's something that doesn't sit right with me when you say, you know, space lawyers and this and that. Like, mm. as you said, when we were kids, we used to dream of being astronauts, but even our dreams are now being Shit, put into me. legislation. And you can you can only yeah. dream if you fit within this criteria, which is, you know, placed upon space by a guy who just has a lot of money. Yes. But, but this has been... Like, that, that, yeah. that doesn't sit right with me. I don't know why, but it's just, mm. I'm not too sure. I'm not too keen on that idea that Elon Musk can tell my child... For example, yeah, if you want to be an astronaut, you can be an astronaut, but only during these seasons and you can only travel to these particular planets well, and it, whatnot. It, so. it definitely would not be Elon Musk. Like, it, although he's, he's I know, a, no, of I mean, a company. I know, I don't really know. For example, yeah, if, because I don't really know much about, I don't really know much about aerospace. So I, I only use Elon Musk because he's like a familiar face that we all know. But just generally speaking, I, it just doesn't sit right with me that I mean, space, yeah. a thing that we don't yeah, even yeah. exist in, and we can't yeah. even breathe in without having you know these external materials with us we have decided that we're going to start setting up rules for what people do there i think i don't I, think I, rules should I, exist I, for the I, I, I think if you said that then it's going to be the same with maritime law right before yeah. we weren't we in weren't usually sea, yeah in your own sea and then you, and then uh, places are arguing over you know who owns this area for example like the between uh, you see it in south asia in south asia between china taiwan the philippines if you follow that logic, then currently the society we live in today, I think it's one that's very unbalanced, which is maybe why I have this kind of sinking feeling deep mm-hmm. down, which I think that if, if we do spread to the solar system, the same inequality will just carry it with us. To I other think countries, other, not countries, but planets. 
I think we've always had this inequality and to be afraid to make mm. progress because of because of this is unhealthy. I mean, I mean, life will never no, I mean, be perfect. I'm, I'm, perfectly, but, I'm perfectly happy with allowing a free market and so on, but it's just, mm. as I said, I've got this kind of weird feeling about allowing private companies to be involved in stuff. Like, I mean, even even governments really, because as we previously suggested, every government has their own agenda and everybody has their own agenda, but it's just, there's something about putting rules on something that was always something that we dreamed about as children. And I was like, oh, put a, put a, put a rule on your dream and put a cap on your dream. But there has to be rules. Weird. There has to be rules. Though. If there's no rules, there'll be yeah. chaos. There'll be war. Can you imagine well, it? I mean, how some people are anarchists, mass- so... I don't no, know. It's still how it depends America, on what like, potential you look was at. Treated. When the Europeans went to America, it was just a free for all and they just they done what they wanted. Because they, were they no took rules. what they wanted. No. Exactly. They treated people how they wanted because there was no rules. So I think mm-hmm. having space laws, having restrictions, having repercussions for bad things, people should be able to do what they like just because they left the planet. Yeah, exactly. Like, there has to be somebody there to, to reel them in. Mm-hmm. Because people treat people differently because you have a bit more money than them. Aaron, imagine, yeah, when we launch satellites mm-hmm. around us, they orbit the Earth, but they don't necessarily follow the Earth, if that makes sense. Like, it, the, the satellite orbit may go across Russia, US, and other countries as it goes around. Now, who owns that airspace? Mm-hmm. Who owns that orbit space? Without an agreement, everyone's going to have a claim. But this is the point of space law, is to define it so every, every nation understands what the rules are and they don't infringe upon it. Do you understand? Uh, without these I rules, mean, again, the, uh, without these one, rules, one could, if if yeah. sorry, without these yeah. rules, if they weren't followed, war could ensue. And uh-huh. war in these days, i.e., nuclear war, Oof, is is yeah, very likely. It's crazy. So, yeah, no, no. I yeah. mean, we'll be we'll be finito if there was a, any kind of war today. But um, again, like I just, I, there's something about human beings which I just think about. It's almost kind of like we're like locusts. Almost wherever we go, we kind of decimate and destroy and so it's just the the thought of okay this is my airspace that is your airspace but when you look at animals that you know they're not going to be like oh this is my airspace so i stay here i mean it's air but we as humans like the kind of animals like, have territory say, exactly yeah uh, exactly no, no, of course but it's like yeah. us as you know, humans the thing- will be like this air belongs to me and you know when we get into a fight unlike with like let's say two bears who have their own territories we can actually destroy the entire planet and that's what's kind of scary to me. Let's say Elon, let's say, let's say, because I think there should be rules as well. Let's say Elon Musk does go to a different planet or whatnot. And let's say he does do some like messed up stuff. How is the government going to prove that he done these messed up stuff? Like how would they know? Because, because they'd be enforcing it. I mean, they'd be sending their own spacemen. Elon Musk is only a company. They only do hardware. They only make products, you know. For example, that's the, that's the same argument of saying, you know, if uh, Steve Jobs made all these iPhones, or what if he sells drugs on every iPhone? Well, he's he's not the one selling the drugs. Do you yeah, know what I mean? He won't be the one. He, he he's the one selling the products. He's selling the phones. But what they do with the phones is up to up to the Americans, or yeah. whoever. The Americans will be sending their own forces, their own astronauts. The technology and the mission design is designed by the company. At the I, moment. Think, you can I think the pertinent, the pertinent point that we're missing is just that okay, cool. The Americans are sending it, but who like are the Americans to be trusted or like the governments? Yeah, because yeah, you know, it's just, you I, know there, there is no finite person yeah. you can say this person because is right. You yeah. see, when troops go to Afghanistan and stuff, they do some messed up stuff there yeah, to the people, true, yeah. like, and you never hear about it. And yeah. think of going to a different planet. 
you can get away with bad of course stuff. you can get of away course. with murder literally yeah so again the whole thing comes to yeah the whole thing comes to you just basically can't trust no one with nothing because i'm sure if these lot <laughs> inhabited some sort of planet they would do something like something's going down in it that we don't know about and but this is game for I, I mean this is a pessimistic view let's talk about the benefits of going into space and the benefits of being mm. Uh, space travel being cheap now now if space travel is be, uh, cheap enough for example with spacex's returnable rockets we can now send uh, scientists uh, to do for example like trips to space to uh, mm. perform their experiments and come back and you can imagine what the uh, you, you know the the benefit that the human race will get out of that um i i, I can see as uh, Aaron, as you have background in biology etc there must be like great interest in how does uh, I don't know cells or how does biology work in in a different environment than in the earth you know so far all our yeah. studies have been here and we don't have definitive yeah. proof of how things evolve or whatever I mean here's the thing I mean the, the kind of limiting factor really on space technology whilst yes the, the actual technology itself isn't there yet a lot of the limiting factors of it is the fact that humans can't withstand the travel so even if you were to make a ship that could go to Mars in, let's say, 10 seconds, a human body wouldn't be able to withstand it. So, of course, it would be good if we could send samples into space, into faraway lands, and see what we can do to them to make sure that, you know, for example, the cellular structure of a human being is intact mm. when they go into space at a specific speed. Um, yeah, there's also, sorry, um, even if uh, we can send them in 10 seconds or whatnot, and they're there, and they're all fine and well, because there's no gravity there, like physically, uh, muscles decrease on a madness, and like a lot of stuff happens to the body. Yeah. And so, if they when they once they do return back, like literally, they'll they'll their muscles will be basically depleted. Like walking would be a task. Agreed. So yeah. there's just there's just there's too many like too many things around it when you send them there and bring them back. There's too so they are actually trying to they've created multiple machines where you can do like light weights and cardio yeah. and whatnot on things. But again, it's, it's not, we're not advanced enough. So yeah, it's, it's so still this, uh, a big yeah, this, thing, big problem. Exactly. This is what they're trying to crack right now is exactly what you're talking about and is actively being worked on. For example, long distance travel. Um, they're looking at solutions, how to survive on an, uh, a spaceship, for example, for the mission to Mars, which is going to happen. Mm. Um, this has already been uh, confirmed. Uh, they're looking at how food grows in space. Uh, they're looking at, like you said, uh, mut uh, muscle and bone uh, uh, deterioration uh, in space, and oh. and we won't be going to every planet. I mean, this is something that's obvious. We won't, we won't be going everywhere yeah. willy nilly. We'd be going to if humans are sent, it would be sent to planets where it's habitable. So we have assessed that the gravity is similar, the conditions are similar are close enough so that humans can survive. How likely uh, is that? Is that likely at all? Yeah. There is, yeah. Mars, for example, oh, is one of them. So, yeah. so the gravity there's of Mars no is close to... There's no point sending people to gas planets, sorry. Oh, yeah, there's no, absolutely no point. Yeah, and exactly. think, think about it, it's cheaper to send a robot who doesn't need food, who doesn't need mental health care, mm. who just gets sent there, probably has better vision than we do, you know, and we can send direct me yeah. like telemetry messages straight back to us and we just look at it through a screen. I mean, Can I ask you guys a question? Uh, as dumb as this may sound, I mean, I understand you can't send uh, the people to a gaseous planet, but could you turn a gaseous planet into a, a rocky planet, Solid. for example? Is there a way no. of metaforming or whatever? Is there any, any way of doing that? Or? Terraforming? terraforming that's yeah. 
you can do it for example that's the plan uh, for mars so like to there the, have been uh, uh, doctors working on this and physicists and it is possible to terraform mm -hmm. a planet essentially induce what earth went went through uh kind of artificially because we were once uh, an uninhabitable planet and uh, cause yeah. it to uh a, a conditions for for life that we then uh, spur on with i guess our seeds etc we should get onto one two planet and leave it there because just like horror movies when you're too going into stuff next thing you know you're dead well so you, you can say that about the earth you know don't, if, don't go if, after it. For, for example if, if we didn't leave uh, if alexander the great didn't go to asia I mean, like, we wouldn't have the, the outcomes that we have now, you know, all the temples built in Afghanistan and et cetera. I mean, it's really fear of the unknown, something that we should be but, uh, scared of. When you, said, when you said we can terraform a planet and artificially put it through, let's say, the Ice Age that our planet went through, all of these things that happened to our planet as it was developing uh, from being an uninhabitable planet to one that had life on it, Yeah they were all things that needed to happen for us to exist today. Agreed. Are we now stopping another potential civilization from forming but on no. Mars? We could be, I mean, I mean, that question can be asked a million, in a million uh, directions. I think, I think that's taking ethics a bit too far about influencing billions of years. I think that's taken. I'd rather just discover and leave rather than discover and change. Well, you know I mean, that, that's yeah. not how it's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, this is like the, the, the Avatar <laughs> film, isn't it? Like, do we go down yeah. and, and exploit them? Um, I, yeah. I, I don't know. My personal feeling is that I wouldn't want to do that. And I don't think scientists would want to do that either. But um, Government will. But don't you worry. Okay, okay. <laughs> so then to bring it back to your original question, to bring it back to your original question, just so that we don't, I mean, I realize we kind of swayed off the topic there a little bit, but yeah. just to bring it back to your original question, you realize that scientists, yes, won't want to do that. But if we do allow privatization and private people to be involved in it, although it, right now you might say that they don't have the level of control that we're talking about, mm -hmm. I believe that if you do allow private companies into it, eventually they will have that level of control where it wouldn't matter if the scientists didn't want to go onto another planet and kill the living beings there. If the private company they'll find decided the scientists it was, that will. Yeah, yeah, they'll find the scientists that will. They'll be able to do things that, a regular scientist might have ethical qualms about, but they will be able to just, you know, but again, this is, pay somebody. This, to, this is why this it's is important. literally a horror movie. This is literally a horror movie. What you're describing. <laughs> but this is why it is, it's important to have yeah, accountable I mean, yeah. governments. I mean, they're the one that's going to be setting these policies. So, and, I, why and I thought I was, and I thought I was wishfully thinking. I mean, that is very wishful thinking. I mean, that, that is have a competent I'm, government. I'm, I mean, of course, like, but we can affect it, right? I mean, um, to an extent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, to I mean, an extent, that's a different I, conversation in itself. But yeah, yeah. I don't want to go there. I don't. I, I don't want to go there for yeah. today. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, we all we're all accountable. We do the best that we can, and um, uh, uh, in my opinion, this is only it's positive. A sticky one. It's, a sticky it's, one. It, it, it's a conversation for it's another very, day. It's very, it's very sticky. But yeah. in terms of is is the privatization of space missions for now beneficial for for us? I totally agree. We would not be seeing any space missions in the next 10 years if it wasn't for these new companies coming out. And, Can I uh, ask? Yeah. Are, are space missions beneficial full stop? Yes. I, I think so. Because from every, every, from every launch that we learn, we learn more about mm -hmm. our technology. We improve our technology, which then goes into the medical field, etc. Um, computers okay, would not exist if it was... It would, sorry, yeah. Computers would not exist if it wasn't for the um, the space race in the 50s. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Are you sure though? One hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. But wouldn't 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 they were they were they, they were if literally... that didn't happen? I'm sure something else will come around. Happen that. Yeah, eventually. Would lead Even... to the creation of eventually, yeah. but but not now. Like we wouldn't have it now, and it's because of the space race is the reason why we have it now, and it's important actually. This this space uh, exploration is also important for our planet um, to to be able to gather data on global warming and. Uh, yeah, climate I think change. that's one of the most important stuff. That's, I think, the most as soon as I think of living on a different planet, I think of this planet is messed up, it's burning, so everyone has to just so go onto it. Can you imagine, like these scientists that don't have that much money can now launch satellites to to basically observe the planet's changes in the temperature or other conditions because of this cheaper privatization. You see, you, you see how this is opening doors for for like many possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. So in my opinion, it's a good thing. Um, yeah. I Would think it's place... a good thing as well, but I'm, I'm a bit sceptical. Yeah, sorry, Dan. Yeah, yeah, until we piss off an alien and he just comes and just deads us all. It's a good thing <laughs> I do piss off any. <laughs> Go on, Dan. So would, you place the mon- would you place the money put into sp- space exploration mm. of more importance over domestic spending, such mm. as curing poverty, um, or jobs, housing crisis. Dan said, all, all Dan said put your house in order before you go and before you try to put someone else's house garden. in order. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're all intertwined exactly. intrinsically. Technology is all intertwined. So I think this is a good accelerator which helps in the medical field and, other, and technology is inherent in societal uh, yeah. upgrades. So I think it's necessary. But um, what do you think, Aaron? Final thoughts? Um, okay, final thought, just to quickly wrap it up for me. Um, a society that can't take care of its uh, of its people who are living in poverty and dying on the streets uh, doesn't matter if they can go to Mars, if they can go to Jupiter, if they can go to wherever. They are not Preaching. an advanced society, and yeah. That, so for me, as Rohan said, you know, get your own house in order before you go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter how many how many rockets you make if you can't stop, for example, poverty of you know, yeah, child child poverty. I'm not even saying global poverty, just for everyone. If you yep. can, if you can just make sure that every child on your planet has, you know, eaten their share, mm-hmm. then okay, cool. You can then go and explore other planets. But if you can't even do that, then what exactly are you, what exactly are you spending your money for? And Roha, I basically where that I agree. Like if we, if if I don't know how much money goes into the space stuff, but yep. I'm sure it's millions and billions. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of people suffering. And you're gonna what? Send the robot to take a picture of Mars? Get out of here, man! All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap up the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, don't forget, you, if you have if you have anything to say or come back on on Rohat's stupid uh, questions, just at us on Twitter. <laughs> uh, and we have uh, I'm up. I can't even speak proper, man. <laughs> at Podcast Verbal and uh, at us on Instagram. Send us a message. We're always going to uh, reply. And don't forget to comment in the uh, comment section below for YouTube. Thank you very much, everyone. We'd love to hear from you. Thank Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. That was bloody brilliant.